and uh, welcome again to Heartland. Do I uh, seem to have a dark cloud over my head? Uh, I, I feel like I have a dark cloud over my head. I've been uh, preaching and teaching for quite some time, and I have to tell you that never before has a passage of Scripture hit me harder up the side of the head, between the eyes, or in every other part. You, that it, it just has been a rough, rough week. And I've been praying that I could inflict some of that pain upon you this morning. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a couple of really big problems that I think a lot of us struggle with. We're going to do that. And then I'm going to slam down in the middle of this message in James the story of a man that kind of proves that we might not ought to be counting on our little dreams to come true. And then I'm going to give you five things that we could do in response to God's word and, and then look at where is our hope in the midst of all of this reality. That's what I want to do this morning. Um, the title of the message is Great Expectations. So read this scripture with me. You can read it up here. You can read it in your Bible. And if you have a telescope, you could actually read it on the uh, outline there in the very fine print. But here's what it says. Look here. Now I want to tell you something. When a passage of scripture starts off like that, it's pretty much saying uh, to look here. That, that's, that's what that means in the, in the Greek and the Hebrew. Pretty strong. Look here, you people who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. Well, how do you know that, that will happen? what will happen tomorrow? For your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you will be boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. Well, I think the meaning is very, very clear from this passage. And it points up two problems. Number one, stop thinking that you can make happen whatever it is you want to happen in your life. Are you with me? That's the number one problem. Second problem is stop thinking that we can just presume upon God to endorse our plans and make all of our dreams come true. You ready? Ready to hear about that? Okay, here we go. First problem, my attempt to inflict pain upon you. The first problem is a dependence on ourself. In this passage, we see people saying, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to make happen. And in our own lives, we think we've got it all figured out. We think that we've got this plan that success is on the way, and all we just need to do is just wait for it to happen. We think we've got the power to achieve and make it all come true. 
If we're a student, we think, oh, you know, I don't need to study that hard because I will make it happen. I'll get into that school I need to get into. It doesn't really matter all that much what I do right now. I can just charge these things, and I'll, I'll pay it off later. It doesn't really matter. I'll make it happen. I'll be successful in the future. Things will get better. I can just eat anything I want. It won't affect my health, and if it does, I'll take the medication to fix it. I can just use this drug for a little while. I've got it under control. It won't hurt me. I've got things in hand. I have it under control. I can fix this. I've got a big plan. And man, is it going to be fantastic when it all comes true. Kind of reminds me of these two ranchers down in Texas. They were talking to each other, and they were trying to impress each other by the size of the ranches that they had. One rancher said to the other one, what's the name of your ranch? And the guy said, the name of my ranch? Well, it's the Rocking R, ABC, Flying W, Circle C, Bar U, Staple 4, Box D, Rolling M, Rainbows N, Silver Star Ranch. The other guy says, wow, that is some ranch. Do you run a lot of cattle there? No, uh, very few can survive the, the branding. Uh, yeah. We kill our own cows with our big shot plans and our dreams and trying to look good and the pride that we have. We kill the cows. Our own self-dependence sometimes kills the very dream we're trying to create. Our arrogance opposes God. And God opposes the arrogant. You have a problem with being too dependent on yourself and your plans? Or maybe I'm the only one that had a little bit of a struggle this week. Second big problem is presumption upon God. You know, July 4th coming up. A lot of people have presumed that this nation will always be great, will always be free. God will just always make us special. It just isn't true. And then in our own lives, we are expecting God to meet our great expectations. And we end up wanting more of what God can give us than wanting God himself. And so... We expect God to fix our problems for us. We expect him to deliver on our dreams. We expect him to protect us from all the bad stuff in the world. We expect him to do whatever it is that we want done. And, and then we kind of, um, we impose our will on God in our timetable. And we want him to endorse our plans rather than us follow his will. Another really stupid example is uh, the soybean farmer. There was a soybean farmer, and he was out farming soybeans, and he hated it, and the soybeans weren't doing so great. And he wanted to preach anyway, thought he'd be a great preacher. And so he prayed to God, show me a sign, give me a sign, God. I don't want to do these soybeans anymore. He's out in the field one day, and he looks up, and there are two clouds, and one is in the shape of a P, and one is in the shape of a C. See, that's it. <laughs> that's what I was looking for. Preach Christ. 
So he sells his soybean farm, builds a church with the proceeds in the town, invites all the people in, and the first Sunday he preaches his first sermon. He tells the story of the pea and the sea in the clouds. It was absolutely the worst sermon ever preached in the history of sermons being preached. People slept. They moaned. Some lost their faith just over that one sermon. And when it was over, a woman came up to him later and said, You know, maybe that PC meant plant corn. (laughs) You see, we see what we want to see so that our will can come true. So that we will do whatever we want to do and then look for God to put his stamp of approval on it. Or we have a formula in our lives. We do this, God will do that. On uh, the radio the other day, we had a 51-year-old woman. She was single. And she says, I was so good. I've been so good. I've been so committed to God. But look, I'm not married. I've never been married. No children. And I am angry at God. Well, that has to be disappointing. But you see, she had a formula. I'll be faithful. I'll be good. And God will deliver the thing that I want in my life. Do you have a formula? There are no formulas. Because you see, a formula would make it unnecessary for us to have faith. We would just have a formula. I got to tell you, this past week in Colorado Springs, there were some really good people from some really good ministries, and their dream just isn't exactly working out the way they thought. I know of one ministry where 34 homes were burned from employees in one ministry. And these are good people, good ministries. My point is that sometimes we think God is going to deliver because we are so good. Well, I want to throw down right here the example, the ultimate example in the Bible of a really good guy whose end was really quite ridiculous and hideous. And I'm talking about John the Baptist. Now, seven centuries prior to his birth and mission, John the Baptist was prophesied by Isaiah. Okay, that's pretty cool. They knew he was coming. They knew what he was going to do. In fact, his name was divinely delivered by Gideon to his parents before he was born. He was filled with the Holy Spirit inside the womb of his mother. In fact, his heritage, oh my goodness, it says of his his, uh, mom and dad, they were blameless. They were really good people. He was raised and lived under the Nazarite vows. Sex, none. Alcohol, none. I mean, he was like a nun. Maybe he was the first nun, I don't know. But but none was the thing that characterized his life. And he wore this camel skin thing and ate locusts dipped in honey. I guess he dipped it. I would. But, but he ate the locusts and the honey together. And that was his diet. He was so good. And he preached 
against the culture. Repent. The kingdom is at hand. He's the one that baptized Jesus. He heard the voice of God. He saw the Holy Spirit descend in the form of a dove. And he made the way for the Lord. He was good. He did a good job of preaching against that culture. It was a culture where marriage was almost non-existent, where abortion was rampant. Killing of babies after they were born was, a, was a, a, an accepted practice. It was evil. The philosophers and the leaders of the day were involved in tremendously evil vices. And John comes along and does such a good job of preaching into that evil culture. Well, you'd think a guy like that, there'd be this great reward here that that his life would be full of wonderful, amazing things. and, And it just didn't happen. In charge was Herod Antipas. He was the son of Herod the Great who had killed those babies trying to kill Jesus. In Mark, it said that he had heard John preach a couple of times. Heard him gladly, it says. But he was married to Herodias. And his wife, whom he had stolen from his half-brother, she didn't like John the Baptist. She wanted him dead. Eventually, Herod Antipas imprisons John. Here's Jesus out preaching, walking free, having the, the, the ministry that he was called to do, healing and doing all these things, and John sitting in jail. And you know what he started to do? He started to do what we do when our dreams don't come true. He started to doubt whether or not he had been on the right track at all. And he sends this message to Jesus in Matthew 11, 2 and 3. Are you he that comes, or should we look for another? That's pretty big doubt. I think there's some encouragement here in that even though he doubted, it did not remove him from from the list of great people. It didn't change the mind of Jesus about John In fact, after he doubted, here's what Jesus said about this great man. Among them that are born of women, that's pretty much everybody, there has not arisen one greater than John the Baptist. And yet there he is sitting in jail. Herod's birthday comes. And Herod's wife arranges for her little daughter, Salome, to dance for Herod. And oh, does she dance. Probably the most seductive, famous dance ever danced. And it so overwhelmed him. He said to her, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. She talks to her mother, and they decide that what they want is the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And before the night is over, it is delivered. And I look at that and I say, that is ridiculous. That is hideous. What an end 
for a man who was so good, none better in all the world. We look at that and we say, you know what? If the, if the earthly stuff doesn't happen for John the Baptist, it just might not happen for us either. From an eternal perspective, I, I think his job was done. I, I think it was time for him to come home. It didn't matter how it wrapped up down here. But it's a great example on this side of eternity that if, that if, if God isn't going to fix it all for John the Baptist, he may not fix it for us. And don't even get me started on Job. There's just another example of how the best can have some pretty crummy things happen. Now, if there was no formula for John the Baptist, then um, maybe there's no formula for us. Maybe if we've been self-dependent and if, if we've been uh, relying on pride and personal strength, maybe there's something that we need to do. And I want to present to you five things that you might need to do. I'll say there are five suggestions. Are there five parts of a plan that might change the focus of your life? Now, where did these come from? Well, this past month, I had a birthday. And with this birthday, some clarity came into my life that had never been there before. And I saw my self-will. And I saw my presumption upon God. And I saw how I had been working my plan. And then Darren asked me to preach on this passage of Scripture. And I'm telling you, it just hit me up the side of the head. And I said, I've got to make some changes. And so here is what God has revealed to me. I hope that it's painful for you also. The first, we may have some tough choices to make based on reality. You may have some tough choices you need to make. Save versus spend. No versus yes. Lose weight versus gain. Don't eat versus eat. Choices, tough ones. Sacrifice rather than live off the fat of the land. Second thing, we may have some tough habits that we need to break. Maybe that addiction is getting worse. And you need to do whatever it takes to get that addiction taken care of. Reality really does hurt. And it hurts when we face the reality. But maybe that little pornography problem is a habit that God's saying, you need to get rid of that. That's the reality of your life. Maybe that, that erotic novel or that... that uh, Whatever it is that you do in your fantasy world, maybe that little habit needs to go away. Maybe there's alcohol. Maybe there's a drug. Maybe there's spending. I don't know what it is. But if we've got a habit that we're not looking at realistically, God is saying it's time 
to take care of that and shape up and do something about it and don't just think it's okay or it's going to work out or you've got it under control or I'm going to fix it. Third thing, we may have some false assumptions to give up. False assumptions, like I've been saying, that it will all work out or assuming that I can make it happen or that God will deliver on this. Maybe we've got some false assumptions to give up. And if we give those up, then we can deal with the reality of today. Fourth thing, maybe we have some acts of surrender that we need to commit. Maybe we've been saying, God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. Maybe we just need to surrender that up. Mate or no mate, maybe we need to surrender our lives totally. Baby or no baby, healing or no healing, prosperity or not. We need to surrender totally to whatever it is that God wants for our lives. If you've taken matters into your own hands and you've cut yourself off from your spouse or, or you've gotten involved in things that you shouldn't, maybe it's time to enter a process of surrender of your whole life to what God wants for you and not this stuff of the world. And number five, I know we all need this, that we all have a life of genuine faith to live. That is free of presumption and, and that it's into faith and trust and it's into God's will, not my will. His plan, not my plan. Five things that we might do. And here's this final verse. Oh my goodness. What a way to end this passage. 417 says, remember it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. If you are feeling some conviction, and then you don't do it. It's sin. I know that there is amazing power in now and no power in someday. No power in maybe and no power in not me or never. Now, I know from what I've been through and in studying this passage that it is time for me to make changes and I'm making those changes but the question is is it time for you based on the reality that our self power and will isn't enough and presumption upon God doesn't get it done so in the midst of all of that We've got some tough situations, and um, they require some tough actions. Where's our hope in all of this? Well, here's one hope. Some of you are in some pretty tough places, and you assume that you're there because you've been bad. Well, if being good doesn't always produce good things, then maybe some bad situations aren't a result of being bad or being rejected by God or judged by God. Maybe it's just the reality of life. I think that's pretty good news. But here's some better news. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. 
For our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us an immeasurably greater glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we've not seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. And the other good news is right out of Romans 8, 28 that says every one of your sorry little petty mistakes that you have made, every blunder in your life or every piece of tough reality you come up against, God will take that and work it together for your good. Not necessarily for your dream to come true, but in the eternal perspective, it will be for your good. Now, it's 4th of July week. I was thinking about back in the colonial days when all this happened. They used to sign their documents with the letters D.V. Deo Valente. It's Latin for God willing. And this passage so clearly says that this is how we are to live our lives. Not wanting our will to become God's will, but wanting God's will to become our will. The psalmist said, my times are in your hands. So I ask you, are your, are your times in God's hands? Is your life in the hands of God? Or are you presuming upon what God will deliver? Or are you working your plan and hoping that God is going to endorse that plan? Is there anybody that, that needs to make a change? Is, is this just me up here and God just using this to work on me? Or is God saying something to you Today, Oh, I pray that if you feel an ounce of conviction in some area of your life, that you would take that and that you would move on that and you would make that change. And God would be honored. And his will would fill your life. And the joy of just knowing you're in God's will would surpass Whatever it is you thought was the big dream that needed to come true. Pray with me. Well, Lord, uh, we hear your word. You challenge us to not be presumptuous. Not to be so full of ourselves and our plans, Lord. Help us to leave here today looking for you. Not just what you give us looking to be closer to you. And Lord, I know it's painful some of the things we have to do. Be with us and comfort us in that pain. In your name we pray. Amen.